0: or enjoy many hundreds of these recorded talks dating back to 1996. So, welcome everyone to the Gay Buddhist Fellowship. Our format today is a little bit different, as you might have noticed, at least in the layout. Um, We're going to have our Dharma talk at the beginning, because it transitions well into our half-hour meditation. So, I'm just going to flip it. We'll still have... Uh, you know, if, if you need to get up and stretch or use the uh, facilities, just do that again. Um, we can do that as the, uh, the meditation as well. So uh, we'll start there. And why don't we start now introducing ourselves, and then I'll introduce our speaker. I'll just go around uh, by name. My name is Tom Bruin. William. Eric. Hello.
1: Devin, Devin. Daniel, Kurt, David.
0: My name is Patrick.
1: David. My name is Harley. My name is Brian. My name is Fred. My name is Cass. Peter. Jose. Jack. I'm Reyes. My name is David. I'm Jay. My name is Roy. Lee Robbins. Wonderful. Um
0: So it's my pleasure today to introduce John Massoud. John has studied insight meditation for over nine years and recently completed the East Bay Meditation Center's Commit to Dharma program led by Larry Yang. He is currently in the Community Dharma Leaders training program at Spirit Rock. He is a lead facilitator of the East Bay Meditation Center's Deep Refuge Affinity for Men of Color. And their Euro descent allies. He also studied with Rodney Smith at Seattle Insight Meditation for eight years. John was also the coordinator of the Seattle Multicultural Sangha and spent ten years on the leadership team of Seattle Dharma Buddies, a meditation group for GBT men. John,
2: welcome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate being here again. It's always a pleasure. And. Um, My first bow goes to Tom and Roy and anyone who has ever helped make this sacred space available on Sundays, to anyone that's making it available these days, and to anyone who might have the inclination to sign up and help make it possible in the future. So I bow to all the volunteers and to Baruch, um, my friend who's also in the Community Dharma Leaders Training Program that invited me. Um, it seems to me that uh, um, it's an interesting time to be identified as an Arab American. I was um, born on the island of Malta, and we speak a dialect of Arabic, so I identify as Arab American. Um, so I'm a gay Arab American Buddhist, and not only did they let me in, they gave me the mic, you know? <laughs> and um, Uh, It's really an honor to have these different aspects of my identity converge here uh, today. And I had the opportunity to present this talk at the People of Color sit over at the East Bay Meditation Center, and I asked my good friend Devin, and this was, I think, in February, what would be a good thing? And he said, Egypt. And I thought, wow, really, that makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Even though the American media tends to have attention deficit disorder. It really was hot there for a while, right? And um, I was also very proud to be Maltese because I don't know if you heard or let me let you know that um, when there was the trouble in Libya and Gaddafi was bombing his own people, the two fighters landed their jets in Malta and we gave them refuge so they wouldn't have to bomb their own people. Then later, when the United States intervened with the no fly zone, I was very happy to be Maltese when we said, you know, we're not participating in this, we're not voting to bomb anyone, especially a neighbor 60 miles away. So um, it's curious, and it continues to unfold. And like I said, it's not quite in the American media eye anymore. It's not quite as sexy as it was for the moment. At the same time, I feel like what happened there is going to have global impact for many, many years to come. And it is still worthy of our attention, especially because so much is still going on. So um, I sort of have focused on Egypt because Egypt had such terrific progress towards their uh, struggle for liberation so quickly (coughs) But of course, we're talking about a wide range of countries here. It actually started in Tunisia. And I don't know if you know, but there was a fruit seller with a cart who actually... And then the police intervened and wouldn't let him sell his fruit. And he actually went in front of the administration building for the government and set himself on fire. And that's really what started all of this. If I can't work, I don't want to live, basically. And then uh, there's an elder out of Egypt who said that um, the revolution in Tunisia, where it started, um, caused for the sweet smell of jasmine that then traveled west and overcame Cairo and was uh, very much a part of what was going on in Tahrir Square. So it's Tunisia, Egypt, Bahrain, Yemen, Iran, Iraq, Libya, Algeria, Morocco, and Jordan, and then not to mention what's going on in sub-Saharan Africa. All at the same time, you know, we had the tsunamis in Japan, and they're still recovering from that with the fallout from the nuclear reactors. So the world is just sort of in this place, you know, of upheaval. Um, Then... um, the thing that I, I find really curious is that it's all one, it's all happening simultaneously but it's all really interconnected in a very distinct way. So I'll ask you just for a couple of minutes, two minutes each maybe, to just find a partner. and. Maybe you can just talk a little bit about what is going on in the crown of Africa and how it affected you, maybe not today, but when it was happening. And if that was not on your radar screen, maybe you can talk about another liberation movement that deeply impacted your emotions and or your life. Here we are in Gay Pride Week, right? So, two minutes each. slideshow together because last February and actually through April, not so long ago, really, um, there were just so many images that came up in in the media that I I found really quite profound and touching. I also, because of all the technology here, I have a couple of um, of video clips. That uh, One that Devin shared with me and another one that I got on Facebook that just felt so Buddhist. Um, and so these are some images from Tahrir Square. And you know, Tahrir is um, the word for liberation, and was, it's the largest square in uh, all of Arabia. And it was dedicated to the first revolution that happened many years ago. I was delighted to see how I just, you know, uh, I just saw this thing that the the most effective uh, revolution has a laugh track. And even through all of the stress of what was going on there, people retained their sense of humor. Actually, they were thriving on it. Um, And it was just so nice to see. (laughs) (laughs) This was in response, of course, to their attempt to shut down the internet, etc. And here, this is, isn't that sort of beautiful and telling about how technology actually helped facilitate this particular revolution and also helps us, you know, certainly in our day-by-day lives? (laughs) Now this is actually, I attended a couple of uh, demonstrations in front of the UN here, UN Plaza in San Francisco and supported <laughs> the Egyptian people. And this is a picture from there. This is back to Tahrir. All kinds of people came out. Millions. And that's just in Egypt, that there was millions all around the world in support. So, really, they're calling for an end to suffering. You know, does that sound familiar? (laughs) Not the Buddhist premise, the first noble truth. And then, of course, here's the fourth noble truth, that there is a way out. Liberation is possible. Muslim, Christian, we are all Egyptian. (laughs) (laughs) Then here's Tahrir Square. So, I wanted to point out the, the remarkably systematic approach they had to their own liberation. Millions of people in this wide open space, but they organized childcare, a pharmacy, where the garbage goes, where the toilets are, where the food is, where the newspapers are, the wall of martyrs for those who fell. It's astounding what a systematic approach they had, and it made me think well, what's my systematic approach? to liberation, you know. What am I doing systematically in order to come to my own freedom? It asks the question. So, you know, I uh, had the opportunity to hear uh, Acha Swift, who is the author of The Map of Love, and she did the Edward Said Memorial Lecture at (coughs) Columbia University not long after these revolutions. And she talked about the systematic <clears throat> approach to their defense that they actually had a row of burnt out cars, that was their first line, and then behind that was a line of, of stone throwers against the thugs who were trying to break things up, right? And then behind that first line of stone throwers, there was a backup line of stone throwers in case anybody's arm got tired, they would immediately be replaced. The fourth line of defense was actually the people who were bringing the stones to the stone (coughs) throwers, right? That was the fourth. And the fifth, of course, was the elders who were digging up the pavement because it's the only ammunition they had. I just find that so moving. You know, they dug up the street because they were so longing to be free. What are we willing to do? And there's the crown of North Africa. Now, if you clicked on any of these things, I found it on the web. It would either be video or a sound bite. These are all places where demonstrations have occurred. So you can see that that, the crown of that continent is on fire for freedom. And here, of course, is support from other parts of the world who stood in solidarity with the Egyptian people and all of the people in North Africa and the Middle East who are longing to be free because the echo resounds in all of our hearts. This is from San Francisco. This New York. Those who make peaceful protest impossible will make violent protest inevitable from our own JFK. This is San Francisco, yes we can,
1: also San Fran,
2: mm-hmm. and here's where the, the army came into play, you know, and so the tanks came and it, it's not exactly clear if they were a part of the forces that were trying to uh, stop the protesters, <laughs> or if they were actually in support. And I'm sure that there was a little of both. Is this man angry at the protesters, or is he raising his arm in solidarity with them? And here, a mother is kissing the soldier because they're all one. Millions in Tahrir. And here's the thumbprint because, think about it, in five weeks, five or six weeks, they went from this oligarchy to voting in six weeks. And here she's doing her thumbprint for the ballot. This gentleman is over 80 years old, he's never voted in his life. And because of this systematic approach to liberation, he had the opportunity. 80 years old. go. So, in the Quran it says, I will not change the condition of people until they change what is in themselves. I'd like to share with you now um, a video that I saw on YouTube and um, I'm hoping that you will be able to hear it. This is a young activist out of Tahrir Square. reminds me of the Buddha, you know, who 2,600 years ago sat under the Bodhi tree and said, I'm not getting up until I'm free, until I awaken. Right? And this is the same, the very same longing for freedom. Right? I'm so grateful that today I get to sit in my home in Oakland and I get to actually experience the power the voices of the activists from Tahrir, and we get to share them here today, what a luxury we have Mm -hmm. to sit here in shared identity. Regardless, even though Egypt's now got a vote and they voted on a constitution, we don't really know the outcomes of all those things, but what about our queer brothers and sisters in those countries, even after the revolutions? What we've got is quite remarkable in the context of our own liberation we get to sit here in the safety of um, our shared identity here in San Francisco every Sunday. You know, I was just at the last couple of weeks ago, I was at uh, the Community Dharma Leaders with my good friend Carol in the back there. Uh, We had a week-long retreat in uh, Yucca Valley over at Joshua Tree, and there was a woman from Arkansas who said that her community, her Sangha, her Buddhist Sangha, Has to sit on the down low Mm -hmm. in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. They've gotten their tires slashed, and they've got threatening phone calls Mm -hmm. just because they're sitting and meditating. Mm -hmm. So, a lot not to take for granted being able to be here. So you know, I can't help but think that our Buddhist meditation is parallel, peaceful protest. This is our Tahrir Square. (laughs) This is our stand that um, every time we return to the breath after our mind wanders, every time we return to the breath, we're saying no to those forces that actually stand in the way of our liberation. We protest those crazy ideas that come up day and night, 24-7, that cause us suffering, or that cause suffering for those people around us, in the same way that these people are protesting the regime that is keeping them bound that is causing their lives suffering. We ca- we question the truth of the ideas that come up in our minds, right? We protest the idle chatter that really isn't about much. We can, If we take a good look at it, we often find out. We question the authority of our knee-jerk responses and our habitual responses that arise as feelings or thoughts, right? And so we are demonstrating just as they are against the status quo. We're trying to free our own selves. At the same time, it's all I had mentioned to you earlier, I so feel that it's so interconnected. Bell hooks in outlaw culture states. Many of us are motivated to move against domination solely when we feel our self-interest directly threatened. This is why we desperately need an ethic of love to intervene in our self-centered longing for change. Until we are all able to accept the interlocking, interdependent nature of systems of domination, we will continue to act in ways that undermine our individual quest for freedom and collective liberation struggles in the same way that Martin Luther King was inspired by Gandhi and the peaceful protests that happened there against the British regime. And then Martin Luther King, inspiring and leading the entire civil rights movement in this country, which has had planetary effect and will for generations and generations, right? And so I believe that Egypt might have been inspired by our own movements towards freedom here in this country. And very curiously, as Egypt was on the fly there and happening, then all of a sudden Wisconsin had two to three hundred thousand people in the capitol building standing up against Governor Walker and a regime that was going to stand in the way of labor rights and the rights of the people, right? So one inspires the other, the other, and it comes back home, you know? I mean, I think that was really, really clear. Uh, Suey uh, says this, she said almost overnight a civic space was created in Tahrir, an ideal space that every imagined, everybody imagined was how the country should be or how any country should be. People were really careful with each other, people were overly courteous, people were bringing things to offer. You did not go to Tahrir without something, whether it was cookies, your effort, medicines for the field, hospitals, In other words, everybody was finding the best in themselves and putting it forward. I can't help but think, certainly on retreat or on our day longs or when we come to these meditations, we move in loving-kindness. We're very gentle with one another, very loving with one another. (coughs) And it's parallel. It is distinctly parallel. (coughs) So... I want to break you into uh, maybe triads this time and just take about nine minutes, maybe a couple of minutes each, two, three minutes each. And this time, I would like for you to share, as much as you can or are willing, people can pass if they don't feel comfortable and that's okay. What are the things that stand in the way of your own personal liberation? Mm. What are the Mubarak's of your mind? Mm. (laughs) The Governor Walker's of your mind? Right? So not only what are they, but what can you do to move beyond them, to move through them, to increase your own liberation? So how has this Egyptian revolution, how is it happening in your own heart? Right? Just about three minutes each. I'll, um, I'll just raise my voice a little bit to let you know when three minutes is up so that you can switch and everybody get, who wants to gets a chance to speak.
1: Groups of three. Gracias. <coughs>
2: stayed, they lived there, their commitment was unmatchable, right? And so, you know, it makes me wonder about our own commitment to liberation, which we tend to do in our meditation practice, you know? I'm curious, that basically, we all got here today, so we already won, and we passed the test, right? So, I, But I'm just curious, how many people have a daily practice? And how many people have done maybe uh, a weekend residential retreat? And how many people have done more than a week? Have done than <coughs> a week, seven days, nine days, ten days. And how many people have done more? Months, sometimes, people sit, right? And I'm not saying that retreating is the way to get to liberation, because I would hate for us to postpone our potential for awakening until we go off on that retreat and we're in the right circumstances. The truth is, we can awaken before we leave the door here today, right? We cannot postpone our lives until the conditions are right. The conditions are always right for liberation, right? And at the same time, I believe that the, the role modeling that we have here is asking us how we can go just a little bit further. I'm sitting for 30 minutes a day. Can I sit for 35? I've done a 10-day retreat. Could I do two weeks? Could I do a month? Right? What is your own commitment to your own liberation that would allow you to take your practice that step further? And maybe it's an extra five minutes once a week this time around because your life is busy. What is it? Is it possible? Maybe it's not possible now. But I think for many of us it is. How can we take just a little step closer to freedom? Right, And then, of course, in the context of our, our meditation practice, we're sort of protesting, you know. We protest all those things that stand in the way of our being able to relax. Those things that would, because we're not relaxed, stand in the way of our being able to concentrate and get into an absorbed state. And notice all those things that are all one, right? We protest habitual behaviors, suffering in our own lives, suffering in the lives of others. And we also notice that the more we sit, the more those distractions do not take hold. Every time we say, oh, there's the mind again, I'm planning, oh, I'm worried, oh, I'm hungry, oh, what am I going to do after this sit? When we come back to the breath, or back to our single-pointed concentration, Right? Every time. It's an opportunity for increased freedom. Every time we sit. So it happens all the time. Right? And so we realize that those distractions, the more you turn away from the distractions and the more you return to your concentration, the easier it becomes, the less the distractions have a hold. It's like, oh, that again. Yep, back. Right? Whoops, there I go again. Up, back. Right? And you do it a hundred times a sit. Right? And so then, when they do arise, maybe we get to notice instead of being swept up in the feelings, right? That cause us to act in ways we may let, it, may, we may later wish we hadn't, right? We get to notice the feelings arising and go, oh wow! If I stick with this, right? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to choose something different today, right? I'm noticing it arising. I don't have to go there. I don't have to act. I'm not compelled just because it some sort of chemical thing happened and adrenaline shot in my brain or some sort of amygdala was triggered in my brain and threat has arisen and there's some sort of associated dopamine with the excitement of it that makes me want to act. All of that is just here for the moment and like Aretha Franklin says, gone forever. You know, it's just a moment. So, we strive to act mindfully, to give ourselves options, to add spaciousness to our practice, to actually live in peace. This is is what Egypt was protesting for, to be free. And to know that every time we turn away from those distracting thoughts, liberation is actually possible. It is possible. Um... Uh, Desmond Tutu says, uh, our march to freedom is unstoppable. So this is the clip that Devin sent me that I just find so powerful. And, you know, I get choked up behind all this. So, you know, please be with I'm trying not to act on those emotions, but they, they certainly arise. Today we are here, I
3: think.
1: This is out of London.
3: This is out of London.
2: lifelong, actually, commitment, right? that actually they're they're, they're role-modeling for us. Um, uh, It occurs to me that Thich Nhat Hanh said, you know, it is possible that the next Buddha will not take the form of an individual. The next Buddha may take the form of a community, a community practicing understanding and loving kindness, a community practicing mindful living, this may be the most important thing we can do for the earth. You know? So, and here we are, you know, we are choosing not to wait, right? We come here on Sundays. We are choosing not to dream about the potential for for, for freedom. We're actually trying to do something about it. So, you know, um, I, I understand that in Tahrir all day, it was cameras and news and helicopters and, <laughs> battles actually and taking care of the wounded and or feeding or taking care of the children or moving garbage, whatever the daily tasks required. But in the evening, in fact, it was poetry, music, and dance. The streets came alive with creativity because people were so happy about the opportunity that they came together in the same way that we are here today. So this is a poem called What I Will by Suheer Hamad. I will not dance to your war drum. I will not dance to that beating. I know that beat. I know intimately that skin you are hitting. It was alive once. Hunted. Stolen. stretched. I will not dance to your drummed-up war. I will not hate for you. Or even hate you. I will not kill for you. Especially, I will not die for you. I will not mourn the dead with murder nor suicide. I will not side with you or dance to bombs. Because everyone is dancing, everyone can be wrong. Mm -hmm. Life is a right, not collateral or casual. I will not forget where I come from. I will craft my own drum, gather my beloved near. And our chanting will be our dancing. Our humming will be drumming. I will not be played. I will not lend my name nor my rhythm to your beat. I will dance and resist, and dance and persist. This heartbeat is louder than death. Your war drum ain't louder than this breath. So let's sit. If you need to use the restroom, please take care of yourself. Otherwise, I encourage you to take a comfortable pose that you might be able to hold for a while as we go into our meditation here. And thinking about all the That has come through this room today, your voices, the voices from Egypt and mine. All together, a few deep breaths might put them all at ease and calm and quiet. (coughs) And although they inform our minds and hearts in this moment, we can also let them go and move to our single pointed concentration. Breath, wherever it may be, in the nostrils, the rise and fall of the belly. Recognizing that at this moment, right here, right now, this is our very best next step towards liberation. content with your concentration, stick with it. Allow my breath, my voice, to fade into the background. If ideas had arisen, you might choose to let them. in the sky, they glare for a minute and then they dissipate, returning to your single-pointed concentration, committed to the freedom we find in this practice. As we put our practice to work here, in this moment, again if you're content with your concentration, stick with it. And the invitation is to possibly move from single-pointed concentration to choiceless awareness, noting all the sensations and phenomena arising in this moment, the breath in and out, a flutter in the eyelids, a growling stomach, the breath of your sibling next to you, hands on thighs, feet on the floor, connection to your cushion or your chair, ambient noises from upstairs, outside, they all comprise the reality of this moment. as we come to the close of our concentration and our sweet community today. You may choose to take the last few minutes to breathe right into your heart space. Can you hear your heart beat? Can you sense it? the life force there emanating from that chakra and coming out either as light or waves of energy. Imagine connecting with every other heart in this room. Notice the power of our field of energy. Is to move that energy from this room out into the streets here, connecting with all of our Peruvian brothers and sisters who came out to vote and likewise exercise their choices towards liberation. the country to the Midwest, and connecting to all the hard work and effort of our brothers and sisters there, struggling for freedom. And all of our queer brothers and sisters there also, struggling for freedom in the midst of their own national struggles for freedom. Let us offer a prayer of loving kindness for everyone in all directions. I'll say it first in my own language in Maltese. May we all be safe and free of harm. May our lives be filled with ease and well-being. May we be strong and healthy. Moch, Uneshu Bislim May we all know increased peace of mind and continue to grow peace in our hearts. What do we want, freedom? do we want it?
1: Your host today, actually, is Dave Lentata, mm-hmm. and he had to leave early, so I'll be your placebo host. Mm-hmm. And um, please stay and enjoy the fellowship with the Santa. There's tea and uh, refreshments, and um, there's a sign up sheet for snail you know, mail and email um, on the credenza in the corner. And, um, oh, if you have tea, please wash your cup with hot soapy water. Um, some people gather around twelve thirty by the front door to go out to lunch after the um, after the social hour. Um, please feel free to join them, <coughs> and I'll be um, circulating with the Um Please feel free to contribute whatever you choose to help this on needed expenses, five to eight dollars, generally recommended, um, but whatever your heart chooses to offer. And I think that's it. Roy. Right. Thank you once again, John, for today. Our speaker next Sunday will be Eve Decker.
0: Um, I'd also like to announce that... Uh, just, uh, you can save the date on your calendar if you like for our annual fall retreat this will be September 16th to 18th um, this is our 20th annual retreat and so our theme this year is gratitude um, we will once again return to the beautiful retreat center at Vajrapani Institute nestled in the Santa Cruz Mountains near Boulder Creek and registration will open in July and the 35 spots always fill up so please mark your calendars. If you wish to attend, it will, um, that weekend, it will be Friday afternoon to Sunday afternoon.
2: And we'll have fires on that soon. I've also been fortunate and am grateful to have been invited to the Gay Buddhist Sangha July 17th. I'll do the same presentation, if you know anyone that might direct that way. I'm over at the Hartford Street Zen Center at 3 o'clock.
0: And uh, John mentioned it, but uh, the parking was a little difficult today because um, our brothers and sisters from Peru are voting for the president down at the uh, college at the end of the corner. So they have an opportunity, even though they're ex expatriates, to
1: uh, cast their vote. And this is the last time, by the way, because this is the second time that happened. And I checked in. <laughs> I said, are you going to do this again? They said, no, no, this is it. Really? <laughs> <laughs> a surprise. We're here. Unless, <laughs> uh, Carly?
2: There's another military tour. Well, no, yeah, it's uh, sure.
0: uh, Thank you, John, so much. I'm wondering if you could just briefly tell us a little bit about the activities at the East
1: Bay uh, Center that you're involved in. So yes, actually, there's a that. lot
2: going on over there um, right about now. Uh, Wednesday night is our LGBTQI same gender loving Two Spirit set, um, and everyone is welcome. And it's at seven o'clock, and there's a variety of teachers. On Thursday, we have a sit for people of color, um, often led, most often led by Spring Washington, who's the lead teacher there. Uh, Friday's is an open sit, so your straight white friends can come to that one. (laughs) uh, It's often led by Charlie Johnson, the president of the board there. There's a wide range of uh, day longs and weekend retreat programming. It's really quite extensive (laughs) class series, And it's all found at eastbaymeditation.org. And we're in a small room, not too much larger than this one at this point, but we find ourselves, we've outgrown it. Registrations now are sometimes close uh, towards 200 people for a day long, and we can't fit but 96 in the room because of fire code. So we're hoping to expand and actually move to a larger space upstairs in the same building. (coughs) So we're right now in the middle of a Dharma-thon. There, if you go to the website, you'll see that there's a big fundraising effort and there's going to be a meditation practice for 24 hours. And people are signing up and getting people to sponsor them to raise money for this expansion. Thank you. Anything else? So John
0: already gave a wonderful dedication and uh, merit, but... Uh, I don't want to pass up the opportunity to gather in a circle and class hands so let's do that. Well, good luck.
1: <laughs> By
0: the power and the truth of this practice May all beings have happiness and the causes of happiness. May all be free from sorrow and the causes of sorrow. May all never be separated from the sacred happiness, which is without sorrow. And may all live in equanimity, without too much attachment or too much aversion, and live believing in the equality of all that lives.